can, 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 can. Oh my god, no. Put on your cans. Do the thing. Let's go. Be a goddamn professional. Cans on. Hello, everyone. And welcome to another episode of Literally Literary. With us, as always, is Mr. Sean Faubernitz. Sean Faubernitz. I am Joey Bonnier. Hi, Joey. And with us, as always, is Mr. Sean O'Brien. He's been downgraded. I don't. He's uncomfortable with it, so I'm. Huh. Thank you so much. Actually, <laughs> I hate being called the host. I am not the host. Oh, if anything, this is your show. That's yeah. I guess that's you're fair. the star. I mean, all right. No, it is my show. Yeah, big bright I don't, I don't like star. thinking that way. Like, but it is totally just Sean O'Brien's wet dream, as you've said so yeah. many times. <laughs> It is just my own little thing, and I don't know. But you know what? We've got food coming, so there's nothing else we can do right now. I'm going okay. We could be playing Catan. Ooh. That's not going to last that fucking long. Once the food gets here, where are we going to eat? Like, some shit guys over the table. pretty quickly. You fucking <laughs> annihilate us yeah. every Very time good. you play that game. I have prior experience. Yeah. I'm sort of the Hillary Clinton of Catan. Let's, get, let's escape this time. <laughs> Let's escape this time, though, maybe, instead of that. I'm sorry it's impossible. I just made a joke about it. I didn't even mean to. I had, like, stacks of... I had stack. I have, actually, currently... You know what? I'm going to bring them on the table stacks anyway. On stacks, on stacks, on stacks, Binders stacks. full of women? We'll see what happens. <laughs> Binders full of... God damn it. Now, now you're making me. That's a good callback. That's a super uh, old... I mean, that's, you know... Our oh, listeners probably don't even remember that. Four years ago? Yeah, man. Anyway, I have books. Um, I'm going to bring some stuff out on the table. I brought the... I don't want to read those! Oh, my God, man. Get your shit together. I'm in a little trouble, but it's funny. It's like juggling books. A psychic doesn't work on a podcast. I drank a lot of alcohol. He's building a big, beautiful wall. It's a big, beautiful wall. I would approximate he has maybe 14 books in front of him in a huge wall. And he keeps juggling others trying to decide whether or not not to add to his wall. All right, relax. It's because you, I was only going to bring a small portion, but then you mentioned Hillary and now I have to. I imagine you like live like, um, like Scrooge McDuck in your apartment where you just like shower yourselves in books. His furniture is is just strategically uh, arranged books. I'm yeah. just going to read all these. So because of the thing that you mentioned, which was Hillary Clinton, I have, um, because, you know, the, he who shall not be. No, you know what? Okay. Donald Jesus Trump's president. Fuck. Yeah. Thank you. You're bullshit. right. I'm sorry. You're right. I'm sorry. You're right. I'm Even sorry. in Harry Potter, they say Voldemort. Fucking we I wish I had Harry Potter with me. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have uh, Thoreau, Walden, and Civil Disobedience. I have The Birth of Tragedy by Friedrich Nietzsche. I also have Thus Spake Zarathustra by by Friedrich Nietzsche. What? What did you just say? I have The Birth of Tragedy by Friedrich Nietzsche. Sounded like you said a horrible ethnic slur. Jesus. No. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Sorry, listeners. Eros and Civilization by Marcuse. (laughs) I have uh, Cicero's Selected political speeches. I have uh, The Satires by Junel, and I have The Constitution of the United States of America. Fuck, yes, I do. Woo. And I have um, Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States. And that's the, that slur, so that was all, the, you know, that was the, mm. the Hillary jab. But So if we want to go that direction, we can, and it's here. But more importantly, I also have James Joyce's Finnegan's Wake, James Joyce's Dudliners, Classic Myths to Read Aloud, Tom Wolfe's The Classic Kool-Aid Acid Test, H.G. Wells's The Invisible Man. Didn't we do Tom Wolfe? No. Hmm. Uh, Mark Twain's short stories. Lewis Carroll, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. Douglas Adams, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And uh, Henry, King Henry IV, Part One. And you're forgetting one more. Shakespeare. 
The Bible. No. What am I missing? F. Scott Fitzgerald. Oh, no, I don't have that. Good. F that, dude. Well done. Sorry. I didn't bring it with me. I didn't bring it with My me. My love sorry. of callbacks. I can't, can't help I, it. Honestly, I wish I did have it with me. You're right. I should have, but you could have just said it faster. And then I'm I also wanna... not a trained dog. <laughs> that's not how suspense works, writer. You're right. That's true. Classic myth to read aloud. It's <laughs> a good pick. Okay. That's good. Oh, all right. Well, that was easy. That was, easy. That was, that was, <laughs> that was, that was I have like tw- I just read twenty books. Mm-hmm. All right. I can't believe you're so agreeable. <laughs> you, he asked me to read it. I'll read it. Sure. If you ask me to read something else, I'll read it too. Does it have to be topical? No. You can read. You, I will read anything you ask me to read. It's literally and he literary. Just asked me, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. That's so <laughs> good. What is it? That was the best pun we've ever done on this show. Ever. Like maybe yeah. in any show. I even pronounced it right. That was like something they would do in like a Tom Cruise movie. Do you have a particular role? Do you have, have, a, particular, yeah. do you have a particular That's story I can collateral do? damage. <laughs> so it's kind of, I'm not really sure how this book is structured. So it looks like we have contents. Uh, reading myths and myths of reading. That's funny. And the myths of reading is is one. So it looks like there's an introduction. And then using, quote, a few more wor- a few words more. And then there's uh, Greek and Roman gods. And then we have listening level one, ages five and up. So it looks like there's actually broken down to the ages. Oh, that's Start with five up. and this up. This is for like kids. Yeah, man. I'm a fucking it's, child. It's listening a... level one, ages five and up. So we have the gifts of, the gifts of Athena, uh, Icarus and Daedalus. Sean is the, not advanced enough for this. The origin of the seasons. Fuck you, I'm almost there. Echo and Narcissus. Echo and Narcissus. Oh, that might be a Damon applicable. and Pythias. Uh, the Battle of Marathon, Europa and Cadmus, the Sword of Democles, Pegasus, the Winged Horse, um, Bauschus, I don't know who that is, and Philemon. Uh, then we have the Spinning Contest, Orpheus and Eurydice. No, no, go the back. The Story of I- Narcissus. What? Just do it. Okay. He's right. Okay. Also, the Sword of Damocles. I love this story, there. actually. I really hope it's good. I'm only vaguely aware you of know the, the story. I, know it's good. I hope it's written tropes. well. Because I could, because I could tell you a really beautiful version of this story, and we'll Why see. Why don't you do this. that? Because I'm, I, this is literally literary. Yeah, oh, that's just it's not, Sean pontificate. Yeah, it's like you know, figuratively. Yeah, literary. I could tell you the story. We'll Maybe see. we can do that on TBC. Check out Fuck. It's kind of interesting, actually. So it has so so the way this book is structured says uh, Echo and Narcissus in the top, and big bold italicized letters, and then it says about this story. Um, and then there's a little bit, it seems like about the story itself. And then it says approximate reading time, 11 minutes. Spectacular. It's kind of That should be when our Chinese food gets here. No way. 11 minutes. All right. Maybe we'll get to read vocabulary and pronunciation. It also has a vocabulary. (laughs) Tune into going down on South Park for what he's talking about. Forecast.com. Oh my God. Uh, It has a vocabulary vocabulary pronunciation guide, which is really cool. This is helpful. So here's a little bit of background. We have Narcissus. It says that. Then we have Jupiter, king of the gods, the Roman name for the god that the Greeks called Zeus. Nymphs are spirits who looked like beautiful maidens, but who were, in part, divine. Then we have Juno. That's that pregnant chick? It's queen of the gods and wife of Jupiter, the Roman name for the goddess that the Greeks call. Nice. Olympus, the mountain home of the gods, and Nemesis, the goddess of retribution and revenge. Go figure. Um, So I'll, I'll read about the story. Do you want me to read about the story or just go right into the story? Uh, no, read about the story. Joey? 
<laughs> Go into it. Skip it. Should I get out the dice? <laughs> Is it far? Well, why did you ask me if you weren't going to... Well, you if you agreed with him, I would have just gone into well, it, but you, you know it's a, it's a It's a 1-1 one, one split court here. If you agreed with him, it would have been fine. But, yeah, but how are we going to... I don't know. You're even sees odds. This is taking too much time. Oh, oh my God. It Seven. A, it was the nerdiest thing I've ever seen. All right. How, how, what does that mean? It means we just go into it. No, I was odds. About the story. <laughs> um. So... This is one of the many tales in which we see Jupiter's desire to stray occasionally away from his own home, and to consort both with mortals and nymphs on Earth. His wife, Juno, is suspicious of the philandering, and she punishes those who encounter Jupiter in his wandering ways. Your children may think that the punishment of this story is misplaced or overly severe, but harsh and seemingly unjust punishments occur quite commonly in the ancient myths, as we shall see in other stories throughout the book. The story of Echo and Narcissus. Echo, Echo, Echo. Yo, I'm hot. In the days uh, when the great gods uh, and goddesses uh, watched uh, over the earth and cared for its people, there lived some lesser gods, too, more than mere mortals, but without the magic powers of gods. Such were the nymphs, those pretty young maidens who lived on earth, in the mountains, or in forests, or in more rivers. But there were attendants to various... Are you shitting me? But who were attendants oh, to various oh, yeah. gods uh, and sorry. goddesses. MJ. There was one dainty nymph called Echo, who was such a great shatterbox that she was seldom silent, and her love of talking was the cause of the sad misfortune that befell her. Echo was one of the nymphs who served and attended to the needs of mighty Jupiter, king of all gods on Olympus. When Jupiter came down to Earth, as he did from time to time, the nymphs who served him would keep him company, because they were partly divine themselves. They understood him and could entertain him in the ways that mortals simply never could. Now, Jupiter was a great lover of beauty, and it was one of his favorite pleasures oh, to talk yeah. with and be with those lovely nymphs whenever he could. But Jupiter's wife Juno, queen of Olympus, had a very jealous nature, and it made her exceedingly angry when her husband's roving fancy caused him to wander off and seek the entertainment of the dainty nymphs and the company of certain mortal maids. Sounds like a Miss USA pageant. One day, <laughs> Jupiter set off. All to the, the best vet. women. He's Trump is both megalomaniacal and a narcissistic personality disorder. So That's fair. the implication. One day, Jupiter, which, by the way, <laughs> fuck it, let's just diagnose from here on out, my friend, <laughs> Brother Joseph. I didn't mean to go all that. I know, but I agree with you at this okay, point. Sorry, <laughs> Tune into Paul Tinkering to understand what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> I think they know. <laughs> hey, guys, if you didn't know there was an election, like um, this guy won that wasn't really popular. But... One day... <laughs> Jupiter set off for the valleys below Olympus to talk to his nymphs and to join in the merry games they loved to play. And soon as Juno heard this, she determined to go down to the valley herself and to scold her truant husband if she found him enjoying the company of nymphs. For she was very jealous of their youth and beauty. When she reached the entrance to the valley, however, she was met by Echo, who, guessing what the angry goddess had come for, and, um... and eager to save her lord Jupiter and her friends from any trouble, began talking to Juno, and talking and talking in order to give the other nymphs time to escape and hide themselves. Echo held the queen in conversation for a long time, chattering like a magpie about everything that came to her mind. It was no great hardship for her to do this, since she dearly loved the sound of her own voice, and was never at a loss for something to talk about. 
Juno tried to find an appropriate pause in which to break away, but Echo had had so many interesting things to say and talked so incessantly that it was impossible to interrupt her. So, when at last the petty chatterbox, the pretty chatterbox came to a stop for sheer lack of breath, and Juno seized the opportunity to pe- rush past her, she found the valley deserted. All the nymphs had managed to escape by this time, and Jupiter had vanished too. Juno then realized how she had been tricked, and in her anger, she determined to punish the dainty nymph who had detained her so long at the entrance of the valley. With her divine powers, she caused the unfortunate Echo to lose, almost entirely, that one talent she used most, her ability to talk. The only words that Echo would be allowed to speak hereafter would be the very last words of the last sentences that she heard other people say, and then only in faint, distant voice. Poor, unfortunate Echo. Because of her concern for her friends, she had been punished so cruelly and her sorrow was very great. It had always been such a delight to her to talk and hear the sound of her own pretty voice. Now she could no longer chatter merrily to her friends, and she had to be be contented merely to reply very faintly the last two or three words. Sorry. Words of their sentences (laughs) when they spoke to her. But her friends were very kind to her, and they would so often call out a greeting to her on the hillside just so that Echo would gladly repeat the last words to be filled her with joy and hearing a sound of her own vo- of her voice once more. Now, it happened in this same valley there dwelt a beautiful young Narcissus who had such charming and dazzling good looks that every maiden who saw the best him at once looks. In lo- fell in love Huge with him. Huge looks. Classiest looks. But, sad to say, Narcissus himself had a cold heart and was quite incapable of feeling love for anyone, human or divine. He did everything in his power to escape his admirers, since he had no desire for their attentions and no love to give them in return. One day, Narcissus was wandering through the forest with some of his friends when he stopped to pluck a wildflower and lost sight of his companions. He turned to take the path that he thought they had followed, and in doing so he passed by a tree in which lovely Echo had been resting. The moment she held his marvelous beauty, she fell deeply in love with him and could not bear for him to be out of her sight. She followed him through the woods, longing to speak to him how she felt, but thanks to Juno's wrath, she no longer had the power to do so. She did not dare make her presence known for fear that he would be angry or would quickly reject her because because she could not speak. And so she just watched him, following closely, but out of sight. They went on in this way for some time, Narcissus parting the branches in search of his friends and Echo stealing softly behind him until the boy suddenly realized that he was lost. And he called out, Is there anyone here? Echo, stepping quietly behind a tree, answered, Here! For she could only repeat the final word of what was spoken in her presence. Well, you can imagine Narcissus' surprise, for he thought that he was quite alone in the area of the woods. He looked around, but he couldn't see anyone to whom the voice belonged. He called out again. Where are you? Come here! Whereupon Echo responded. Here! This was bewildering. He could see no one, and yet every cry of his was answered by, was answered by a voice that seemed quite close by. He went on calling and questioning, and each time Echo answered with his last words, She did not dare to show herself, but she could not help answering. At long last, she decided to take a chance, thinking that he just might be understanding and loving, and he might not be angry angry with her for secretly following his steps. She came out from behind a tree and ran to meet him. 
She twined her dainty arms around his neck, trying to express with her actions the love she could not put into words. Alas, Echo's hopes were rudely dashed, for Narcissus hated to have anyone show him even the slightest affection. He pushed the lovely nymph aside with a rough hand, and he, f- and he fled at once in the deepest part of the woods. Poor Echo. His harsh glares and unkind actions had broken his heart. She hid herself in the woods and mourned and grieved, thinking of the beautiful youth whom she loved so much but who had treated her so rudely. She wept day and night and wouldn't touch any food. Before long, she grew pale until at last her body vanished altogether and nothing remained but her voice, which can still be heard today among the hills and valleys, answering every call. As for the cold-hearted Narcissus, he too came to a sad and lovely end. One of the many maidens whom he had so harshly scorned prayed to the gods that Narcissus would be punished for tormenting people. For grabbing people? And the prayer was answered. Grabbing by the echo. It fell to the goddess Nemesis, who was the goddess of retribution and punishment to determine his fate. Sanders. May he, who will not love others, love only himself, she decreed. It happened that one day, after tracking some game through the forest for many hours, Narcissus came to a shady spot surrounding a clear, deep pool from which he could quench his thirst. As he stopped down to drink from it, he was overcome with surprise and delight at the image that appeared on the smooth surface of the water. It was a face, but such a love... It was a face, but such a lovely face that could not take from his, his eyes from it. The longer he looked, the more beautiful the face did seem, and at length he had fallen passionately in love with the image in the pool. Yes, Narcissus had fallen in love with his own reflection. He spoke to the beautiful image, and its lips parted as though they were answering him, but no sound he could, he, could he hear. He smiled, and the face in the pool smiled back. When he, belong- when he beckoned the image to come to him, the image beckoned too. But when he tried to touch it, the lovely face seemed rippled and blurred and disappeared from view. Poor Narcissus. Although he finally realized that it was his own face that was reflected in the pool, it was a face of such marvelous beauty that he could not tear himself away from the spot. So deep was this passion for his own fair looks, and so strong the power of his love that he could not resist it. He lost all desire for food, for sleep. And night and day he lay upon the grass, gazing at his own image reflecting in the water. And so, over time, Narcissus the Beautiful, like the dainty echo whom he had scorned, gradually wasted away, his body growing thinner and thinner, until he died. When the fair youth had breathed his last, the gods, in pity for his sad fate, transformed his body into a beautiful, sweet-scented flower, with a bright golden center and soft white petals which nodded to its reflection in the pool. And to this day, that lovely flower called the Narcissus is found by quiet pools gazing at its image in the water. Thanks for listening to Literally Literary. Literally. We mean it. Thank you. Yeah. Let's eat some Chinese food. Oh, yeah.